Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... So we don't just offer employment, we also offer capability building. One of our visions is to bring people who have limited ability into the organisation, build their capability to the point where they are capable of going out and getting a job in what we call open employment. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 298 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today we're speaking with Vanessa Steele. Vanessa joined the Waverley Industries Management Team in January 2019, qualified as a chartered accountant in England and Wales with an honours degree from a London university. Vanessa has a broad experience spanning three different countries and many financial positions, including Head of Finance for Royal Canon Australia and New Zealand, as well as more recently, Supply and Commercial Financial Manager for Mars Pet Care. Vanessa has a passion for working with people with disabilities and enjoys nurturing the culture of caring, developing and delivering great outcomes for our people. Vanessa also has a passion for the development of high performing teams and prides herself on being able to create strong relationships within all areas of the organization. She unequivocally believes she has the best job working with wonderful people with all ability. Today's podcast will discuss how enterprises can address employment inequality through inclusive business practices and how financing practices differ in a social enterprise as opposed to a business as usual approach. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you. Later. To start off, could you please share a bit about your background and what led to your interest in work in social enterprise? Sure. I started my career as an external auditor with PwC, working in the UK, moved over to to Australia and continued with PwC and then moved into Mars. And I suppose after 24 years in a commercial environment, I really wanted to look at something that was a more social focused organisation. Reaching that point in, in my career where it was more about how I could give back rather than just work through in a commercial environment. I'm a big believer in Lady Fate and this role landed in my inbox and had a look and popped out for the interview, which was perfect. Wow, really short, sharp intro into how you've made it into Waverley. And that's fantastic to hear there, Vanessa. So thank you for sharing that. And as a leader at Waverley Industries, especially within the finance area, could you please tell us a bit more about the organization and how it is creating a social impact? We have two sites at Waverley, one in Notting Hill and one in Hallam. We currently employ over 320 adults with disabilities of varying degrees. We have from physical through to intellectual as well as mental health issues. So what we provide at Waverley is a safe environment for people to come and to feel part of a community, to feel valued and supported in a safe environment. 
we don't just offer that safety. We actually offer them social and financial independence as well. And it's really important to these guys to feel like they are valued. If I reflect over COVID, I think the most important thing for our participants through COVID was to really continue to come. They needed that routine. They needed to maintain that social contact and they needed to be valued and needed. The fact that they could walk away and share with friends and family that they were an essential worker, they said with such pride. We don't just offer employment, we also offer capability building. One of our visions is to bring people who have limited ability into the organisation, build their capability to the point where they are capable of going out and getting a job in what we call open employment. So we have a large focus in our organisation on capability building. And so like in any organisation, you would have a personal development plan. We have the same for our participants. Each year we sit down and work out exactly what capabilities they would like to build within themselves. And we try and structure a training program to make sure that they do actually achieve those capabilities. It just gives them a skill set working towards either open employment or just progression within our organisation in a safe environment. I will just add very quickly that in our catering department, we've actually put through participants right through their training to become qualified chefs. And we're very lucky to have just had one pass through and we're certainly looking for our next trainee to join the program. Definitely. There's so many opportunities there. Really wonderful reflection on kind of the role and the tasks and the social impact of Waverley Industries. So talking about that a bit there. And as you said, we talked about it in your bio a bit. You work with a range of people of all different abilities and, and people with special needs and in some cases disabilities. So how do you address the problem of accessibility to employment for Australians of all ranges of abilities? I suppose we as an organisation, are really focused on how we provide that support and that employment. And this is something that if you look at the NDIS's strategy and vision, the aim is to have any adult with a disability or special needs in employment, anybody who is capable of being in employment, in employment. And I think the last numbers I heard that there were 110,000 adults with special needs that were capable of working in employment and yet we employ across Australia about 50,000. So you can see that there's still a gap of at least 50,000 out there that are capable of working in employment. Maybe you would use the old-fashioned word of, of a sheltered workshop, not a, a term that we use these days, but we certainly have a factory with production teams of of people that support each other as a team and do co-packing, environmental gardening, assembly work, etc. So our vision, and I think our, our sector's vision, is really to provide the capabilities and then to work with organisations to try and move some of these guys into open employment and to start providing them with training and education around how to work with people with disabilities so that they do have more opportunity. The limit to the number of people that we can employ, but it's limitless if we can get into larger organisations that have the patience and the culture that would accept these guys and work with them. There's a lot of untapped skill there. 
really crucial opportunity that you've just looked at there, Vanessa. Yeah, they're really amazing. And also, as well as being one of the wonderful leaders at Waverly Industries, you're the head of finance is the primary role you play. So what opportunities have you observed more broadly for social entrepreneurs to get on top of their finances and ensure they're set up for success? I often describe the finance for a not-for-profit organisation as as one of those little cartoon characters who balances spinning plates on (laughs) two hands, a head and a foot. It really is that combination of trying to see yourself as a social enterprise, yet trying to consider yourself as a commercial organisation as well. I would strongly encourage any organisation, any not-for-profit organisation, to change their language. You do need to make a profit. It's a not-for-profit. It it is really a profit-for-purpose organisation. You have to be able to make that extra surplus to be able to reinvest in in the business. That challenge is alive and well. Trying to work with government organisations on funding, trying to work with customers and balancing all of those variables or challenges can be very difficult. We are a not-for-profit organisation that employ adults with disabilities. So we're what we call an ADE, Australian Disabled Enterprise. So we have employment as part of our funding. What's really important is that when we look at our customer base, that we look at partnerships rather than somebody who's out there looking for a cheap job, because that's not what we are as an organisation. And a lot of ADEs are really highly qualified in terms of quality with HACCP, ISO 9001 in terms of quality. We're not here to provide cheap employment. We're here to provide a partnership with organisations. And so my recommendation to anybody in this field and sector where they're trying to play between government, customers and participants is make sure you're looking at partnerships and making sure that you're looking at an organisation from a, with commercial eyes as well as change that language to profit for purpose rather than just a not-for-profit. That's a really crucial piece of advice there. And I think that language around finances is super important for anyone looking to get into social enterprise. And it's clear from that discussion that you have a very good understanding of all that terminology and processes behind it. So thank you for sharing that advice there, Vanessa. And where do you see opportunities for impact-led entrepreneurs to address employment inequalities on a global scale? So not just within Australia itself, but and just around those that ability based employment but even in other areas where there are inequalities i think it's around society starting to accept differences and it really is baby steps in terms of educating people on how to work with people that have different abilities to you and i suppose it's really about the not-for-profit or the, the social enterprises working with other industries to build that understanding to build that education and then to build to pull out the strengths from these individuals i'm going to use an example of a high performing autistic individual They can't operate in an environment where people are not understanding of the way they interact. Yet they could be highly technical, highly analytical and provide incredible output if you worked within their scope or their realm of understanding. It just takes a little bit of patience and understanding to be able to get the best out of that individual. I think it's a journey that Australia, but also the the globe, as your question alluded to, needs to start the journey of 
this educational process and finding the patience and understanding of working with these individuals that have a limited ability, because it doesn't mean that they are incapable of contributing to society. It just means that they need somebody to help them to contribute more effectively. It's a, it's a big question. <laughs> it is. And that's a really, I've got a, I would say, profound answer as well, Vanessa. It's a really powerful observation and truly that understanding is it's built in and baked into the work that you do at Waverley Industries. So it's really fantastic to see you extract that essence and then apply it on that global scale. So fantastic answer. Thank you for that. And we're moving into the end of our interview now. We've just got two more questions. So the first question I just want to ask is, what other organisations have you seen that you believe are creating a strong social impact? I suppose our network is Victorian-based, and I have to say I've seen some invaluable work from Knoxbrook, who have some fantastic partnerships with the, the large infrastructure organisations and government. I look at Able Australia, and they have got an incredible CEO in Kate McRae, who is such an advocate for our industry and for more broadly for the NDIS participants. There's a beautiful organisation called Solve, and it was really interesting. We went and did some catering for them. We didn't know what they did. What they do is somebody comes to them with a gap or a, an issue, and they have engineers who are retired and volunteer, and they literally solve the issue for the individual to provide them with more independence and dignity. There's so many organisations out there. Everybody does a fantastic job, honestly. Those are a few really fantastic kind of mentions there as well within that social impact space. And finally, are there any books or resources, Vanessa, that you would recommend to our audience? I had to think about this one quite hard because I'm not a natural reader. So, <laughs> but what I do, like most people these days, is I'm on technology. I do read through social media. And there is a book called The Network Nonprofit by Beth Cantel. And it's really about the not-for-profit connecting with social media to drive change. And I think that's a big one. The way that we educate people, a lot of it is through word of mouth. A lot of it is through social media these days and truly understanding the impact that you can have through social media. If I was to encourage anyone, I would say go into all your various Instagrams, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and earmark not-for-profit. You see a lot of really good discussion that goes on there with people sharing, with people advocating, and just learning. My LinkedIn profile, I get a lot of information through, and, and it's really useful quick articles if you haven't got time to sit down with a, with a big book. I, I don't really have a book as such, but I wanted to give you my take on that rather than just what book should we read. But, yeah. but there is certainly a lot on social media and I'd highly encourage people just to market an interest of theirs and they can learn. It's a fantastic recommendation and, and truly, yeah, it's a great idea for kind of up and comers and even people that are based in the sector to just keep an eye on what's happening around them. And all of those organizations that you've mentioned throughout the interview as well, they'll all be linked in at the end of the article. So any of the listeners, whether they've listened to the podcast or they've read through the article after, they'll be able to check out all of those organizations, including Waverly Industries and see more of the impact that they're creating. So we've just finished up our interview and I just want to say, Vanessa, thank you so much for just spending the time today to share your insights, 
um, with our audience and, and to be able to discuss the work of Waverley Industries and more of your kind of workings, the key advice that you can give around that finance in the social enterprise space as well has just truly been invaluable. And I just wish you all the best in the future with your work. And I can't wait to follow what happens with Waverley Industries, especially with everything opening up in the wake of COVID-19. I think there'll be a lot of work coming out, which will be absolutely amazing to see. So all the best and thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.